Everyone has a story, but not everyone is a storyteller. Welcome, you're listening to Otherwise Wisdom from the Other, a variety podcast dedicated to empowering diverse communities living in Treaty 6 territory by sharing stories of their lived experiences. Hello, my name is Morenike Olaoshevikon, and on today's episode, we explore the fragmentation of African Caribbean black communities across Edmonton. We're going to be talking today about our thoughts on African Caribbean black communities in Edmonton. I am the founder and president of the Ribbon Rouge Foundation. I like to call myself a community organizer now that Obama has made that a cool thing to say. (laughs) And so we'll get others to introduce themselves. I'm Janetta Jamerson. I'm also a community organizer, and I think it's always been cool. Okay, he might have put just a little bit of glitz on it, but, you know, it's always been cool. Let's claim that. So I'm one of the founding members of Black Women United, YEG. Yeah, vocalist, performer, troublemaker, here I be. So my name is Dunya Nur. I'm from the Somali community and the greater black community. I do extensive work in our community, specifically with the criminal justice system, and I do community development work as well. My name is Emmanuel Ona. I am uh, Nigerian and part of the black, uh, greater black community in Edmonton. I particularly work with high-risk youth and uh, other youth programs. Also, I'm involved in uh, other community building activities. Hi, I'm uh, David Shepard. I am the MLA, member of the Legislative Assembly for Edmonton Centre. So it's with the provincial government here in the middle of the city. My background, Trinidadian in Dutch. Yeah, it's been one of the one of the things I've spent a lot of lot of time focusing on as an MLA is building relationships with a lot of the African and Caribbean communities here in Edmonton, trying to help build capacity, give them access to uh, some of the systems, grants, other programs that are available to uh, help expand what communities are able to do and raise their voice with government. Thank you all so much. So, I guess first question: I want to get your thoughts on. When I say to you, I say to you, African, Caribbean, black communities in Edmonton are all fragmented and broken up and not at all cohesive. What do you think about that as a statement? What are the first thoughts that jump to you? Yes and no. It's true, but it's not always true. I've seen sometimes we can be very quick to, you know, run to the comfort and sometimes even protection of our respective black ethnicities. However... Let something happen on the broader societal level that can impact all of us. And I've literally seen white people get scared the way that we come together so fast. So it just depends. Can you give me an example of that? So when all the killings started to take place of, um, like, you know, police killings of unarmed, innocent black males across the states, that didn't matter what, where you were from, when you got here, we all felt that. You know, and it just like united us in uh, so quickly. Like, we didn't even have time to start sit here and discuss and fuss about you know who's right from their you know respective point of view and all that kind of stuff. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. So it, that's the most recent time. But if I were to probably if I had more time to think, I could probably think of examples across the course of my life when I've seen it happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I think Ginetta's got a, got a fair point there. The other recent one I would think of, actually, it's a bit of a lighter moment maybe, but it has its own level of profundity. The release of Black Panther back in February, <laughs> right? So... You, the community came together in an incredible way. Uh, the the uh, youth organization from the Africa Center, you know, I worked with them to host a screening, you know, that had, you know, hundreds of people come together to watch that film. And that was from every community in the city. And, like, the, the feeling of, of brotherhood, sisterhood in that room was intense. So, absolutely, you get these larger cultural moments that pulls everyone together. But at the same time, yeah, there is... Um, some isolation and fracturing and I can just sort of say that from having observed it from the outside so for me I didn't grow up in any of these communities I did not grow up in a black community. I grew up in a white evangelical community and it wasn't really until after I was elected I started to connect with all these folks but what I found was I would talk to them and they'd say well we want to do this for with our community we want to do this for our community and every single community to a large extent was trying to do exactly the same thing but they were trying to do it by themselves and they wanted their own funding to do their own program build their own center and there was not a lot of collaboration or concern, even though the issues that everybody was dealing with were, were, were pretty similar so yeah I think it's a little bit of both for me I would say it's a little bit of both but my thinking is because we just have different experience we do have that commonality of what we experience in terms of slavery and colonization and basically dislocation from our lands but how we've dealt with it, how we've processed it and the different types of culture that developed from it is a little different. That's what I think. I'm just going to come in on the left side here. Um, I think I think it's more there's more fragmentation than unity and I speak from the fact of, that I've worked in community for a better part of two years now and seeing how everybody is fighting for their own piece of the pie instead of you know coming together and getting a larger piece of whatever it is that they are trying to do. I've seen that multiple times in the community and it's disheartening because we're supposed to be establishing unity for greater advancements in the community but it's not happening that way. One thing I want to add to it is I think it depends again like what we what I'm hearing and what I guess when I think about it more it depends what you're doing. If it's a big party if it's a big rally, right? Again, a big cultural moment. It's not hard. It's not hard to pull people together, because that is a gut level feeling. That is something where we just gravitate together and everyone is in unison. The challenge is once you want to start working, when you yeah, when you want to build a project, when you want to pick a direction, when you have to start taking something in real gradual steps. That's when it becomes really hard to keep people focused and keep them together. But I would say that is not unique to the black community. That is true for any community that hasn't traditionally had the opportunity to build those kinds of systems already. So we may look at our we may look at the black communities and say, well, you know, they don't they don't get things done as effectively as some other communities in town or some other groups or some other ethnicities. But a lot of those communities have had more time, they've traditionally had more power, they've had more resources and therefore have more experience. So here's the thing though, I wanna challenge this a, a little I agree and there's something Dunia said that made me immediate, the immediate question I had was, is that true? You said the thing is we have this shared, I, I'm not going to say the exact words you use, but sort of we have this shared experience or knowledge of slavery and oppression and how it affects us and all of that. And, I, and do we though? Do we? Do we have a shared thought around what that actually is? I'll say something to you that might sound weird. 
when I first moved here, I, and this is embarrassing, I definitely was one of those sort of Africans that would say things like, Junera is going to kill me. <laughs> but I was one of those Africans that would say the most ignorant things about slavery. You know, it's how many hundreds of, I was maybe Kanye West. It's, it's terrible, maybe not that bad. But I know a lot of newcomers that come here with this sort of thinking around personal responsibility. And, well, if I can do it, why can't they? Why are they choosing to think of slavery and this, these things that happened hundreds of years ago? We're now in 2018. They need to just sort of get over it, right? There are newcomers that come with that mindset. And, and I think the reason we come to Edmonton with that kind of mindset is because our experience of race is different. So we were colonized, you know, but it's, it's a different experience of um, racism in that you're not... You're not facing it in an everyday way that is obvious. You're, you're living in racism, even if you're in an African country. It's just you're not recognizing that the reason you're in the situation you're in is connected to all these historical facts that you're possibly not born into, right? It's just when you're here, the way you experience racism is, is almost more instant. Am I making sense? And so do we really have a shared? For me, when I talk about we do have a shared experience in the sense that we all went through colonization. We all, you know, went through the process of being dehumanized. We've all had our lands encroached on, and we've all felt that, you know, that thought of inferiority, right? However, the way we process it is very different. If you were to ask someone that's, you know, Afro-Caribbean, they would have a different way of experiencing it. If you ask someone that was born in Somalia, lived in Somalia, grew up in Somalia, they would have a completely different way of articulating it compared to someone that grew up in, you know, Toronto, Canada, and they're also from Somali heritage, right? So I say, um, and this this brings me back to the thought of Pan-Africanist, right? Which I find that our challenges, our struggles, and some of the systemic barriers that we're facing, like from a colonial perspective that we basically experience, is the same. Africa was colonized, Canada was colonized. We were all taught to hate each other and to, most importantly, unfortunately, hate our own ourselves. So whether people want to say it out loud or whether they don't want to say it out loud, the way that we act speaks a lot more clearer that we're in that phase than what we don't say. However, someone in Somalia, someone coming out of, at least it's my experience with my community because I'm Somali heritage, is, you know, a lot of the young people that come from Somalia see Canada as a land of opportunity. So when they come here, they're very happy, they're excited, and they find it, you know, oh, that's a big privilege. And I recognize that being a Canadian also gives me a privilege. For example, I'm a woman. I don't know if I would necessarily have the same experiences and privilege and, and opportunities that I have in Canada if I would have it in my motherland. However, with that being said, we still live under a structure that's racist, that is very colonial thinking, that there is power imbalance. So when you're a young female or male and you grew up in like the projects of Toronto or Detroit or Windsor, the way that you experience racism is something so foreign to newcomer Canadians that are just like literally like just landing. For them, it's a land of opportunity. For us, we're in a survival mode. For them, they have the chance to survive. And most importantly, 
they come with a culture. They come with advancement of culture and identity and who they are. For us, that has been cut off from us. We don't know who we are. We don't know what our culture is. If I go back to Africa, I'm never African enough. When I'm in Canada, I'm not Canadian enough. So it literally like dislocates us. So that's what I mean. Regardless of where a person is at, and this is my position, at the end of the day, we have that common challenge is that if you're a person of color and you carry that black body, you will inherently, whether it's short term or long term, you will get to know your history and it will affect you. But how you process it and when the knowledge comes to you is different. Oh, no, it's really important. I think everything you said is really important because the reason I asked that question is back to what you said, David, about this struggle is the same you know, with every other community and it's just because we haven't had enough time. I think our, there is a complication with ours in that it's not just the thing about time, it's the thing about we actually think of ourselves as very different people. And so even when someone says, com- uses the word community, it really is a word that doesn't sit well with me because in my mind, we are not. A community. We are several communities in communities in communities, and so so define community. Just so those at the table and the listeners have an idea of what you're working with when you're seeing this. To me, a community would imply that there is some form of cohesion enough for you to be able to reach out to someone and and know that that person has your best interests at heart. And so if, for example, I were back home in Nigeria and I was living in a neighborhood where I and the way we even relate to each other is a little different. And uh, it's good that I have another Nigerian on the table so I can be challenged here if, if it's different, your experience is different. But growing up, I remember the person living next door to me was my auntie. And the person living on the 12th floor was my uncle. And we related to each other. I basically think of communities as people that have enough cohesion, that are close-knit enough that you can reach out and feel some kind of kinship with people. Back home in Nigeria, you would have Yoruba communities, but even within Yoruba communities, you would have people that would identify even closer with each other. And so when when you were here, I don't think those historical and ethnic differences somehow just miraculously disappear. So you have that happening. And then you also have this shared sense of being oppressed as a group because of the histories of colonization and slavery and all of that happening. And so you have a lot of complications that also contribute to the fact that we literally can't get along long enough to do what you said. And what does that mean for us? You also so you, you raise a fair point there. I mean, there are unique complications involved for, for, you know, for the black community, African communities, Caribbean communities. And, and there are going to be different shades of that for people that are coming from outside of Canada and people, you know, who, uh, you know, who trace their ancestry back to back to slavery and that kind of colonial oppression. 
you know, what it brings to mind for me maybe is the the one the one similarity I could think of is maybe the indigenous communities, right? Because you talked about the fact that there, you, you know, there isn't really one community. It's very similar for indigenous peoples, right? There, people talk about the indigenous community in Canada. There is no indigenous community. There are multiple indigenous communities, and they all they have some experiences which are universal. So the residential school experience, even though though I mean I think some maybe some more remote indigenous communities might not have been as effective as others but there's universal experiences there so the oppression of colonialism residential school system a lot of those different things so they have that commonality of experience but outside of that they're very, they're very unique cultures they have very unique ways of, of thinking of belief there are different variations of their spirituality so in a similar way right they, they a lot of them pursue their own paths they have their own first nations they have their own territories they come together in unity on some things but what's coming to mind for me now is it's interesting is that where everybody's unified is in the negative experiences right so it's in unified in in suffering you know in the pain in the in the issues that you've had to deal with the oppression and prejudice and the that's where the unit that's where everybody sort of shares a commonality and there hasn't been the opportunity to build a commonality based on a common purpose or or of a positive nature and i think what's going on in those times of suffering when you're under threat self-preservation kicks in a collective self-preservation kicks in. So that's a totally different motivation than, you know, trying to, again, work on something positive and progressive and good times, you know. And I think, too, in terms of, you know, the newer groups who have come, and to me, y'all are new. Everybody here is new <coughs> at the table. Y'all new. So, you know, I'll, I'll cop to this. There wasn't much in terms of infrastructure, you know, progressive community organizations, even responsive and relevant community organizations <laughs> left uh, created by my people. And then, you know, by the Caribbeans who joined us years later, you know, we had, so let's, let's just take, let's just think back. What we have? So we had some churches. We had some nightclubs. They'd open and close. The after out joints. They'd open and close. <laughs> yeah, if there's anyone older here from uh, the Caribbean, we'd say 7-Eleven, and they'd know what I mean. <laughs> we, we had a few little restaurants and a few little cultural associations, you know, run by interesting characters. <laughs> now, that was me. I was being politically correct and nice. <laughs> So really, when, when the rest of y'all came, what did you come to? It's not like you came to a blueprint. It's not like you came to, you know, standards and, and things that were already working that you could then either model after or get with the program and join in. So when you look at that, even though there have technically been African people here for about what? What are we going on with? 130 years probably because before the province was actually official we were here every group is starting at zero every group is starting from the bottom up from a blank slate that bothers me to tell you the truth that really bothers me that should not be but that is the history here so that's some of my reflections so, uh, just to add to that there's that saying there's company in misery everybody bonds when they're in pain because they want to know that someone else is feeling that pain and not just them 
that's why they bond when they're talking about oppression, when they're talking about uh, things that have been done to them by the police or uh, policies that are oppressive and stuff like that. But when you talk about community building, as Janetta said, most people who immigrated here later years to join uh, the people who were here originally, they didn't come to meet anything established. There was nothing established, and that stemmed from the different groups who had different ideas, different agendas, different cultures, different ways of doing things and not thinking about unity in the first place and when we came with our own different cultures and stuff that all built upon you know the, di- the diversity and the division and so now we're basically building more division and no cohesion at all so one question that just kind of occurred to me so we're talking about you know the communities being fractured and divided compared to what is there is there a model you can think of that would where you'd say that is what we should be a working community like that? Thank you so much for saying that, <laughs> because what all what a lot of what this has now brought up for me is back to your point about the fact that the things that we they end up finding unity in 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 this sort of sad and perverse outcome of of just our history and situation and life is is in the oppression and even even when even when you are navigating this system and this society and Edmonton and going around your business the way people see you the first thing that you are almost almost always the first thing you are identified as is black and this is a very interesting dynamic because when I came here, honestly, that's not that was not even a, a feature. Like it wasn't a thought in my mind that I am actually black because I grew up in a place where, well, almost all of you are black, right? So, so it was it was like the default, right? Um, and so this really makes me think about pan-Africanism because this is this is a movement and a way of being that arose. In part, Emmanuel, the way you were describing it, that we need to come together, we need to build together, we need social cohesion, we need to have this sort of similar agenda so that we can move forward. But even that idea of how to fix it is still in some way linked to the fact that you are oppressed. So it's still a response to oppression, right? And before we were colonized, before slavery, like before people, the first white man ever landed in Africa we were all different and distinct and the way we are separate now um, we all had separate tribes we all had separate cultures separate lineages separate legacies separate history separate traditions just separate ways of understanding and so the thought of us coming together I don't know what like but you know what you're describing you are describing African Americans we are a new tribe we come from all these different tribes through no fault of, you know, desire of our own to be put in that situation. But we had to create something new out of it because we were now here in North America or in some cases South America where there's no going back. So what are we going to build from here? How are we going to self-identify? How are we going to strategize? What do we do? Because this is where we're at. So I think part of the problem as well, and I noticed this, in reflection with some of the brothers and sisters from the Caribbean then came, they were always kind of mentally one foot in and one foot out. I'm going to retire back home, work real hard, and then build my house, buy my land, build my house, and retire back home. But there was always somewhere warmer and nicer and infinitely more (coughs) pleasant and welcoming, to which I'm going to leave this crap, man. Like, this is not the end of me, baby. I'm out. 
there is always an exit strategy. Whereas with my people, <clears throat> back to where? Oh, to where? Back home to where? Well, Texas, Arkansas, Mississippi. We could go back. Mm. So then are you saying that within black settler community, you really do feel that that is a co- socially cohesive, that's a, that's a group of people that have figured it out and have come together and work together and build together in good times and... We had we had some decades of that, but then it was almost like I don't know I don't know what meeting they had I don't know where the conference was held where they all met up but somewhere a decision was made we're going to assimilate and they took a vote and the majority said I we're going to assimilate we're going to find whomever and whatever and that's what we're going to do and so that was cultural death cultural death and we are no longer a factor as a collective we took ourselves. Out. I don't recommend that strategy for anyone newer. I highly advise against it. So when I say the African Americans, I mean those in the states, which is it's our, that's our ethnic people, those in the states. That is a new tribe. And you see the way that they, you know, what they have done. I mean, they have formulated, really, throughout the, throughout the years of just being in the situation, the most influential cultural group on the planet, in my opinion. Think about it. I also wanted to add that, like, after hearing Janetta speak, I don't think necessarily what unifies us is pain. I also think worldview. When you look at indigenous people, when you look at African people, just indigeneity as a general, the way we're connected to earth, the way that we bond together, our culture, our heritage, the vibrance of even the clothes that we wear. I think there's also a lot of positive aspects that unify us. So, for example, when I sit with a Cree person and they ask me about my tribe, and I'm Somali, and we do have a tribal system that perhaps might not have worked to the best of our land, but, you know, we connect at that level, right? When we think about, as I was telling you earlier, what I, the experience that I had with my, you know, second-year prof in my gender women's studies class, where, she, you know, one of the students from Kenya said, when the assignment was about, talk about your privilege, and she said, my land is my privilege, and she said, land can be your privilege, I'm talking about your body, whether you're able or not able. She couldn't comprehend our worldview that we're so interconnected to our land, our, our ways of doing things, the way we make sense of the world, the way we process information, the way we're just spiritual beings, African people, indigenous people, Afro-Caribbeans, African-Americans, and multiple of different cultures. So I think what unifies us, aside from the pain and the oppression that we collectively go through, is also the beautiful aspect, which is the way that we're spiritual be- like spiritual beings, spiritual people. That's fantastic. I don't think I can add to that. Do you have any? So I think what we have now in terms of the opportunity mm-hmm. of diversity within the black community that we've never seen before, okay? Like, we are just at an all-time high in terms of our diversity. So, yes, it could, you know, be a recipe for utter disaster. However, I maintain there's opportunity in that. What needs to take place, though, is a totally different, slow, intentional process of, one, getting to know each other and I mean really getting to know each other and number two having a mutually agreed way on how we are going to work together because when we get to know one I really get to know one another that's when all these commonalities and like that brotherhood and sisterhood and that kin feeling that you know we know we have 
it has a, um, a a good space. It has a safe space for that to make itself known. But then you have to formalize. You have to articulate the ways we are going to protect that and build upon it. And sometimes I think just in the desire to make it, the desire to make some money, the desire to keep your head above water, we have skipped over that step. Or one up in each other. Well, yeah, or, or competition or, you know, whatever that, you know, devolves into. We have just skipped over that step. And as a result, you just have all this splintering and fragmentation. You know, maybe there needs to be some healing processes. You know what I mean? Um, there's Maybe there's some ancient hatreds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean for my people, you know, let, let's just say, like, you know, Jamaican people, we didn't have no ancient beef with one another. Any frictions we had were just in the here and now. But we didn't have no like wars and you know generational, century-long conflicts and stuff with one another. But now, maybe there's some groups that do. So there needs to be some slow, careful, committed, very different way of learning how to work with one another. And I think part of the convincing is that just the quick grab way of just me trying to scramble and get me something I want. Somehow we have to sell a bigger vision that for those who are willing, for those who have the faculties to commit to such a process, there is much more to be gained than lost. Yeah, Janetta raised some really good stuff there. I mean, these kinds of questions are, community is complex, right? It's, it's layers, right? So you have communities within communities within communities. And, you know, micro-communities that come together to form macro-communities, it all depends on what needs to be done at a particular time, right? So no community is together all the time doing everything together. You know, you break off and you work on things here, you work on things there, and but you recognize what are the things that we, when we need to accomplish bigger tasks, then we all come together and we, and we work on that together. And that's where you have your systems of hierarchy and you have your community leaders and all that sort of thing. You have your representatives, you know, that are appointed or elected or... Or by by virtue of their experience and eldership, or self-imposed in some cases, but I mean that's it's it's the reality, right? Because you cannot get things done with you know with the, at a table of a hundred people, right? You got to boil that down. You need you know five or six people is it is it is efficient? You can maybe work with a group of ten to twelve. You get beyond that, you're not going to get things done. So again, you're breaking it down into smaller groups to get certain functions done. So I guess part of the question is, you know, you're talking about when you're talking about of unity and sort of bringing communities together. I mean, part of it is sort of recognizing, well, what is it we actually want to get done? Because then it's, there's a question of functional unity. Then there's a question of cultural unity and a feeling of solidarity. The two are going to be connected. And like Janetta was saying, a big part of that is about inspiration. So you have to provide people with a vision that's going to overarch all that and get them through all of the frankly dry and difficult stuff that is not a lot of fun where you got to kind of just grind it out so to answer that or to deepen that or talk even further about that the issue that i sense and i wonder if you, this is familiar to you is it's not just that we're separate and 
you know we need to come together and achieve things together it's that what i sense is we are separate and we are also opposed to each other and we also compete with each other instead of working together and what is the what what why why are we that way <laughs> to each other and if it is true would coming together really fix the problem because we've we've tried to come together it's just that we seem to only come together in a moment when there is a heated and if and even that even that i even want to even challenge that a bit because if we would at least do that in a sustained way i think we would have improvements but for example there is this refugee claimant i've been on this case now for a while so this ref- there's a refugee claimant that died not in edmonton in calgary on august 7th and so we are now on what is this today september 18th and we still do not know what happened to this man completely we we haven't and the communities this is a this is a yoruba man that died i can say that what i have seen about how we've rallied together does not look anything like black lives matter like what ha- it, it, it's not that same kind of let's get together let's you know talk about this i had someone the other day another yoruba person ask me was he legal i'm like no human being is illegal but this is the thing that even within our communities we compete with each other when we should collaborate we are not necessarily there for each other the way communities should be there for each other and i think part of it is we're in a system that is oppressive right and so even just getting by on a day-to-day basis it's easier to just think of yourself than to be trying to look out for a refugee claimant that you have no relations to that died i feel like you were going to say something um for me i think janetta said it well because what i think about is sometimes i reflect of the amount of atrocities that we went through as a nation and then i'm like we're actually doing better than the average person would do i think about that you know indigenous first nations people in canada are doing a great job in terms of their truth and reconciliation the jewish community has done a great job about addressing and educating what happened in the holocaust a lot of communities that went through atrocities are finally you know creating a healing system from a policy perspective and from a communal perspective and as an individual level of taking on this healing process for black people i can't think of one thing one policies one legislation that that we've put in place. I can't think of it. Even South Africa is a great example where it's the mother of truth and reconciliation. And then look over there what's happening in terms of the xenophobia, in terms of the amount of atrocities that have been done by members of that community. For me, I think that healing is not individual. It does start at an individual level. But when I hear Janetta talk a lot right now, I'm starting to think that healing has to be a new culture, a new phase that we need to take on because this whole competitiveness, you know, not being there, not supporting one another, I think really stems from a mind of scarcity, it stems from trauma, historical trauma, pre-migration trauma, a lot of different, you know, violations that we experience where we're comfortable being the black tokenist person. We don't want our brothers and our sisters to be beside us and succeed because that creates a competition not based on our skills and ability but rather that we're being tokenized. So for me, I'm like right now, especially as a young generation, I am really learning to heal. I'm learning to engage in reflective activities, exercises, be around individuals that are bond- like that are healing, not toxic. 
I can't be around those individuals anymore that really, you know, have no conscientious idea of their purpose in life or what it means to even be black, and they're in the stage of in denial. Or individuals that internalize oppression so badly that oppression became their second last name. I need a balance, and I'm trying to heal, so hopefully I don't pass that on to my children and it doesn't become a multi-generational trauma of scarcity. So well said. Because my people are a great example of that multi-generational trauma. Whereas, again, we look back, you know, well, hey, at least this ain't Jim Crow. You know, at least this ain't, you know, Texas and, you know, all them lynchings and all this kind of stuff. This ain't slavery. So, you know, we're here and this was a freedom land, except, you know, then it's like then stuff just instantly got real here. And it never really stopped getting real in terms of what we were faced with. And there came a point in time where there's something called internalized oppression response, where every message and action, and in some cases crime against you and your bloodline, it takes root on the inside. You know, it's often referred to as the shackles on the mind. Harriet Tubman, what is she famous for saying? I could have saved a thousand more if they had only known they were slaves, right? And then what starts to happen is, because that's the internal locus and orientation you're coming from, there becomes a desire not to heal, because that's too foreign, but to simply relieve myself of the burden of blackness. That is what precedes cultural death. And I've literally sat up here and witnessed other groups, newer than mine, begin the quick downward slope to cultural death. And it's a slippery one, believe you me. But what has shocked me and truly bothered me is how quickly they've embarked upon it. Just, it's been like, just almost kind of stunning and shocking. It's just like, whoosh, downhill, let's just do this. Really bothers me. I think there's a better way. However, you know, and maybe this is one of the reasons why I kind of tongue-in-cheek Uh, referred to myself in the opening as a troublemaker because anytime you have ideas and ways of thinking that are against the status quo our people they have a tendency as yeah troublemaker right our people will brand you that just because you're coming against those ideas even if they are toxic and harmful as hell they are just like literally ideas from the pits of hell (laughs) and if you want something better those entrenched things are inevitably going to have to be rooted out and changed. And I think instinctively we know this, and we know it's going to hurt. So it's easier to just rebuff those who may represent change, continue that slide towards cultural death, than do that hard work. So I understand what you're saying, Danielle. Like, you don't want to be around toxic, crazy people who are going to be after you and stuff like that. I don't think any of us are... (coughs) You know, who at this table is signing up for that? Me, not. (laughs) Exactly. So it's so difficult. I've almost seen like a collective avoidance of it. You mentioned South Africa. That's where perhaps we should see some of the the greatest strides, you know. Again, like that's the originator, the birthplace where they rolled out truth and reconciliation. But now here we are today. It's like rape capital of the planet. So it, it, it's something that requires a lot more than just individual desires or just, you know, individuals, you know, somebody like me or whomever that just challenges the status quo. It requires a, a, a cultural shift. It requires more than a moment in time. We had the truth and reconciliation roll through Edmonton. It came and it left. That was a moment in time. People are still still crying out from the indigenous communities. They're just like, hey, truth and reconciliation, man. Like, what are you doing? This is something that we signed on to. Mm-hmm. But 
was a moment in time, right? You know the status quo didn't really jump on that bandwagon. So I think there's been a lot of really good points of race with with Dunya there and with Janetta. I mean it's there needs to be a lot of conversation. And in that, there needs to be a lot of listening. And I think what Janetta said, you know, we need to get to know each other. That's incredibly important. Because that's, you know, within within individual communities, there's a lot more sort of knowledge and understanding, right? So within the, within the Somali communities, a lot of shared experience, a lot of shared knowledge, a lot of shared culture. And so it's, it's easier for people to sort of work together and have some sense of unity and purpose. But even still, there's four or five different Somali organizations in Edmonton. But that said, I mean, really, and like what I was saying before, you have to know what you want to accomplish. And to some extent, I think even oftentimes communities themselves don't know what they want or what they want to accomplish. They just know there is something that is not right. There is something that is missing. And I spend a lot of time in my capacity, uh, you know, as, as an MLA working with different groups, is just sitting down and talking through them and listening to them and saying, so what I'm hearing you saying this is, so is this, so what sounds like what you actually want is this. And it's in the process of that conversation, you kind of figure it out. You go, okay, well, if that's what you want, we can start to figure this out. And then, so... If we want then communities to come together and start working on things, then we have to understand each other. And that's been a real process of learning for me, too. And I mean, I can't say that I know and really understand all of the different communities that I'm working with. I'm starting to get to know and understand the Somali community better and their unique challenges and some of the things that they need and what the way the, the culture works and so how, how we have to approach trying to find solutions. I've started to get to know some of the settler community. I've started to get to know some of the other groups, but this is something that's going to take a while. This is not something that's accomplished easily and simply, but it's about building relationship, building trust, and starting to build that through accomplishing some small goals. If there's anything I've learned sort of my work in politics, if you want to build capacity, if you want to build unity, you want to build a team, then figure out some, some, some low-hanging fruit, some easily achievable goals, and then work with a group of people to achieve it. Then people feel they're accomplished. They feel, we've well, I did something with this. We all worked together and we accomplished something. Then they're going to have strength to try something bigger. And then you build up. And part of the problem is I think a lot of times we feel we have to tackle all the biggest problems right now immediately first. And we can have that can work really well to get a rally. That can work really together to get everyone together and sort of have a big emotional moment. But like Janetta said, then the next day that's done and it's gone and you're not moving any further ahead. So building real momentum where you have a truly unified community, that's a whole lot of time invested and a whole lot of small steps building up the momentum and the speed and the capacity to take on bigger things. I think part of the initial problem was lack of trust. And, you know, establishing trust helps establish a community. So we had people from Janetta's community who tried to establish or put a structure in place. Now, the people, some of the people who were in that party of building were untrustworthy people, and therefore the whole uh, endeavor collapsed. Now, we have people here in the current times who crown themselves community leaders, uh, gatekeepers. They're not picked by the community, and whatever endeavor it is that they want to uh, uh, embark on is not supported. And let's say, for example, they are 
they have a following the lack of trust the lack of uh, connection to the group that they supposedly represent is what eventually crashes any effort so they're even when uh, when these people gatekeepers uh, so-called community leaders are met by government officials or um, you know any other entity that's that has an interest in creating or establishing a structure within the community they end up going their own route they end up doing things that personally benefit them so benefit them and without thinking about the community so we have a community that has trusted one person or maybe not even trusted this person but this person has answered the door on behalf of the community now when they when they don't uh, deliver what does that do it disempowers the community the community is back they, exactly they go back to zero they say well we tried and uh, you know it didn't work and the next time around someone honest someone hardworking someone who genuinely has the interest of the community comes around they're gonna say you are the the fox exactly the fox in the hen house the shepherd who cried wolf and you know what they do and then they go back to Africa <laughs> <laughs>